0: Well, happy Mother's Day to all you mums out there today, and also my love and compassion for those who find Mother's Day a difficult day. Know that God's grace and peace are here for you today as well in what is a celebrating and honouring time, but one definitely of mixed emotions for some. Today I want to talk about the ministry of motherhood. Often we think about motherhood as a role with many responsibilities or maybe an unpaid job with a seemingly endless job description. Well, today I want to talk about motherhood as a ministry. In a letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul describes the kind of leaders that uh, he intended for the church to raise the church to full maturity and Christ-likeness. From Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16, it says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness fullness in Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, Does its work. You'll see here that Paul lists five offices that are referred to as the five fold ministry. You might have heard that term before. That's the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But to me, what is the church other than a family whose leader's job it is to care for, to train, and to equip its people to maturity? Sounds like a connection to parenting to me. I don't know about you. You can also look at the the eyes of a mentor, a business leader, a teacher, any area of influence or care over people that you might have. So let's look at what the five-fold ministry is that Paul talks about and how they relate to us as mothers or as parents. Firstly, the apostle. The apostle is all about undergirding and releasing And I know that's a bit of a weird word, undergirding, but it basically means supporting from underneath. And of course, releasing. Apostles awaken people to their God-designed potential. They are instrumental in people discovering who they really are, and they walk alongside them to get them there. Apostles are disciples and disciple-makers. Our job as mothers is to see our kids' God-given potential and to help encourage and release them into it. My kids are now nearly 14 and 11, and it's been fascinating just to watch them grow and develop and see the gifts and talents that God's built into their lives. However, if we see those gifts and we don't help them to be developed, we're not honouring God's design on their life. For example, when Caleb uh, my nearly 14-year-old, was very young, a toddler. He loved to bash pots and pans and anything that would make a sound. Uh, so this may have also resulted in some wall damage when he discovered a toy hammer. We came back to the room to find he'd had a great time drumming. The frustration of the noise and the household damage could easily make me as a mum kind of want to push that to the side, take the sticks off him, and the hammer for that matter, and put it away so it was quieter and easier to manage. And maybe I did do that sometimes. But instead, we got him a toy drum set. Now, it was plastic, so it didn't last long, and it wasn't quite as loud as a real one, but he loved it. He ended up in drum lessons at the young age of four due to his natural ability. And believe it or not, at the age of six, he was playing Little Drummer Boy in front of 100,000 people at Christmas in the park. And that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? However, it's not just about sustaining these gifts and abilities until they reach a point of success. It's continuing to support and encourage them to keep going, especially when it gets boring, when it gets tough, when there are no concerts or performances, just practice. That's where the undergirding kicks and I think my son would attest to that. Releasing is actually about knowing when to get out of the way, when to stop hovering in the background. And I know when Caleb was four and he was at drum lessons, I couldn't leave a four-year-old with a stranger. So, you know, like I used to literally hover in the background and watch his lessons. And then when it came to Christmas in the park and putting him up on the stage, there was nothing I wanted more than to go up with him, but, you know, there was security. So I didn't do that but it's a hard thing to do, to step out of the way. Control is the killer of apostleship. As a controlling parent or leader in any area, it can be so hard to step out of the way and let your child work it out for themselves. They have to learn their own lessons. You'll never get the chance to truly see what they are capable of if you're weighing them down by holding onto their coattails. Raise and release pour everything into them, and then take your hands off. Not to remove your presence in their lives, they need your ongoing love and support and definitely encouragement, but let them fly. The second ministry is that of a prophet, and this is to speak to somebody's future. Prophets are effective in revealing God's heart for people wherever they go. They can accurately discern God's heart for a situation. They help people experience God's voice and help them develop hearing the voice of God in their own life. Sometimes as mums, we need to prophesy to ourselves. The one I use daily, my most frequently used prophetic declaration, you can use it too, is when I get out of bed in the morning. I will have life after I have coffee. My husband and children can testify that my conversation skills are not great until I'm caffeinated. Sometimes, though, we do just need to prophesy life over ourselves. And sometimes we need to think and pray with the future in mind, as it can be so easy just to get stuck in the day-to-day. Boy, do I feel we need to employ this gift of prophecy and prophetic declarations in our kids' lives now more than ever. We need to prophesy to their futures, to a positive way forward, We need to be in the quiet place with the Holy Spirit, hearing what it is he is saying so that we can discern God's voice for ourselves but also for our children. We need to help lead and direct our kids in that way. We need to hear God's voice for ourselves. We need to help our kids hear God's voice for themselves, particularly in the days we are living in. You know, when your kids are young, we often do the praying for them. But as they grow in their understanding of God, We need to teach them to pray. Our children can prophesy too if they're filled with the Holy Spirit and hear the Lord's voice for themselves. There's not a junior Holy Spirit, by the way. We need to prophesy life over our children. We need to prophesy courage over our children. We need to prophesy over them that they will be ministers of the gospel wherever they are. We need to prophesy hope over their hearts. We need to prophesy peace over their minds. Prophetic declarations wage war with the enemy on his plans to steal, kill, and destroy from our kids, from their futures, and from ours. You know, I read a a story recently. Years ago, a hydroelectric dam was to be built across a valley in Maine. The people in the town were to be relocated and the town itself submerged. During the time between the initial decision being made, and the completion of the dam, the town, which had once been well-known for being so beautiful and well-kept, fell into disrepair. Well, why keep it up now when it's going to be destroyed? One resident explained, where there is no faith in the future, there is no work in the present. If we were to only watch the news and listen to the reports of doom and gloom about our environment, financial recession, wars, natural disasters, crime, poverty, injustice, then I would say people would have no faith in the future. Our job is to bring faith and declare a future that is worth working in the present for. Prophetic words and declarations are an invitation to intercession. We must declare over our kids, but then we must intercede for the next generation. The next ministry we're going to discuss is that of an evangelist. We are to bring our kids to Jesus. We are to make the stories of Jesus' remarkable goodness and love famous. We are to be the carrier of good news and partner with Jesus in celebrating transformation. We are to stir curiosity and a desire to know Jesus in our kids' lives and then to teach them that their life is a living invitation for others to join the family of God. So how do we do that? Firstly, we can share our testimonies of God speaking to us, answering our prayers, healing us or people we know, giving us peace in anxious times. When God speaks to us out of the Bible, share it with your kids. Make sure that they know your faith in God is real and active. We are our kids' greatest witness of faith, or worst, depending on how you look at that. If they grow up thinking that your Christian faith is just about going to church on Sunday, then I'm sorry to say we've missed the boat. When we haven't been able to gather, what of your faith did your kids witness? It's a great thing to evaluate. You know, for years, Carl and I have shared our testimonies in church and in youth ministries and different churches, to teenagers particularly. For Carl, it's been around God saving him from his brokenness, addictions, bad choices, insecurities, and really transforming his life. For me, my involvement as a teenager in the occult and my need of forgiveness and deliverance, which God turned into a ministry. Well this year, our son Caleb is in youth group and we realized we should also share those stories with him before he hears it secondhand. We can actually forget the power of what God has done in our lives and how that might be an encouragement to the next generation. Sometimes that might mean humbling ourselves so that our kids hear our mistakes in life. Our weaknesses shouldn't get in the way of God's glory don't let pride get in the way of sharing maybe some of the harder times of your life with your kids. 2 Corinthians 12, verses nine to 10 say, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's okay for our kids and for the next generation, actually anyone around us, to see our weaknesses in order to see God's strength and power. As a parent, have you been asked yet, why do you believe in God? Have you been asked how you know God is real? Have you been asked why bad things happen in the world if God is so loving? If not, it's coming. Here's what one of Jesus' disciples tells us from 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and Respect. Sometimes telling a story has as much effect on the teller as it does on the listeners. I want to tell you a wee story from Martin Buber, the Jewish philosopher. He recalls, "'My grandfather was lame. Once they asked him to tell a story about his teacher, and he related how his master used to hop and dance while he prayed.' My grandfather rose as he spoke, and he was so swept away by his story that he himself began to hop and dance to show how the master had done. From that hour, he was cured from his lameness. When we tell the story of our master, our God, we too experience his power. Let's be ones who share the good news of the gospel to those in our care. With the power of our testimony, and with love and respect. The next ministry we have is that of a pastor. Care, compassion, wisdom, correction. They are instrumental in guiding people through brokenness back to wholeness and healing. They create a safe atmosphere of family and belonging. Now, I can quite confidently say that this is not everybody's experience growing up with a family. If every family was a safe atmosphere of love and belonging, the world would look quite different. That's why it's so important that we become pastors to our children, and actually to everyone in the next generation. In fact, to everyone. It is so desperately needed. You can give kids all the best things in life, the best education, exposure to sports and music and the arts, expensive family holidays, and all the best in clothing and devices, funds set aside for their future. But if you have not love, then that is all a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, as it says in the scriptures. And I'm not just saying you have to have love for your children. I hope that's a given. But do they feel loved? The large majority of children will feel loved if we do three things. One, They are told they are loved and what is loved about them. Two, they are shown they are loved, that mostly through time and attention spent on them, being prioritised especially over work, both the house kind and the business kind. And thirdly, and I think a huge one, they feel listened to and understood. These things create a sense of safety and belonging that they won't have to look elsewhere for. When we wound our children, and we will, we must lead the way in humility, apologising, speaking life and truth over them, praying for them and mending their wounds. Be quick to forgive and slow to anger. Very easy to write in a message, really hard to carry out in real life. One of the hardest things for a pastor to do is bring correction. However, it is part of the job description. Pastors are given the title shepherds, and this metaphor is often used in the Bible. So, we'll talk about sheep for a moment. Sheep are dependent on their shepherd for direction and protection. They are not independent creatures. They are not strong, nor are they survivors. They quickly wander away and can easily be led astray. Without their shepherd's care, Sheep are in great peril because they're not exactly hunters that can find their own food. They are small and defenseless, and it makes them easy prey for predators. That's why the shepherd must keep close watch over his flock to both protect and preserve the flock. So when a sheep strays, the shepherd will prod them back into the sheepfold and put wandering sheep back on the right path. I just want to talk about the shepherd's rod and staff. Now please hear me. This is a metaphor. I am not advocating for corporal or physical punishment, okay? It's just a picture. In biblical times, a shepherd consistently used both a rod and a staff to tend the flock. Both were used to protect or correct the sheep, each in a very specific way. The rod was used to fight off wild animals and to count the sheep and direct them. The rod prodded them during the day in the fields and at night into the sheepfold. A willing sheep would respond to their prodding, but a stubborn, strong-willed sheep would not. While sheep might not be as dumb as often suggested, they do have some characteristics that give merit uh, to that claim. Now, mums, listen to this, because I want to ask you if this sounds like your children. I think it sounds like mine. They'll indiscriminately, indiscriminately eat just about anything, regardless of whether it's something that could harm or kill them. They endlessly wander, seemingly without direction, and many sheep stubbornly resist the shepherd's prodding. Mm -hmm. That's why the staff with a crook at the end is needed. The shepherd uses the staff to more strongly exert his authority and to gently but firmly pull the sheep back to the fold and to keep the sheep moving in the right direction. He can also use the crook of the staff to pull the sheep from harm. So perhaps metaphorically speaking, we as parents are more the rod and staff than the shepherd. Jesus is referred to in the Word as the good shepherd, and I certainly need him to be doing the one guiding, directing, and correcting me. We need pastoral parents and pastoral people in our lives. The next ministry is that of a teacher to train and equip. They make the truth and knowledge about about God accessible to all. They have an ability for breaking confusion and misinformation. They are strategic in helping people know the truth of God and also how it applies to their own life. This is an interesting one because usually we have schools and teachers that do that job. But most, if not all parents, have had to experience the realities of that role during lockdowns in the last couple of years. I discovered I am not cut out for homeschooling and I have greater respect for teachers and homeschoolers than I ever did before. Being a teacher in your kid's life is more than academic education. It's about teaching them the realities of life, the truth of the word of God, the effects of wrong choices, training and equipping them for a world where you are not in charge of them, teaching them to be without you. Man, this is tough. (laughs) It's a lot easier to keep our kids in little bubbles, fixing their mistakes, doing their work for them, hiding them from the evil in the world, than to prepare them to be independent and mature. We have to teach them to recognise false teaching. We have to get them ready to fail, to be heartbroken, to face rejection. Actually, homeschooling maths and science sounds a whole lot easier all of a sudden. The world we live in is not fair. But when travelled through with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of our Saviour, the love of the Father and the promise of eternity, it may not be easy, but it will be okay. The thing I love about schools is that they have teacher aides and substitute teachers, right? Any mums wanted to call on a substitute mum at any point? (laughs) No, I have. I want to remind you that In families, with friends, and in our church family, we can have that too. Bring in others that you know will teach the right things and model uh, the right things, perhaps in areas that you have struggled to overcome yourself or are still working on. As I said earlier, it's good for our kids to see that we are a work in progress. The role of mentors is an important one, and it's often overlooked. We need mentors, and our kids need mentors. Sometimes they will even learn and receive more if it's somebody else giving the lesson. Don't know if you've experienced that before. I can't count the number of times I've given my kids advice of some sort to have it rejected, only to hear it repeated back to me when somebody else told them the same thing, and it was some kind of revelation. Take the winds where you can get them, I suppose. So there we have it, the five-fold ministry, apostle prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's the biblical blueprint we are given to equip people and grow the the kingdom. And in my mind, if it's good for the kingdom, it's good for my family, because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our job as parents is to bring our kids up to maturity and independence, to know God, and to know how to live in this world. The reality is that in the fivefold ministry, there will be one or two of those roles that will be more natural and easier for you, part of who we are, but we can all grow and develop in the others to a measure. If not out of gifting, then out of desire to impact and influence the world and people around us, starting in our homes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you first and foremost that you love us, wholeheartedly and unconditionally. I pray for everyone today hearing this message that has some form of parenting, leadership, guidance over others. And I pray particularly for mums today, that we would have a fresh perspective on our role, not just a job, but a ministry. And that our ministry would be one that comes from a deep well of love that is continually, continually refilled by pursuing your presence, Lord. Help us to be apostles in the way we raise and release those under our care. Help us to let go of being controlling and trust that they are your kids in your hands. Help us with the gift of prophecy. Let us speak life and hope over our children and point them to you, showing them how to pray and hearing your voice for themselves. Help us to be evangelists, Lord, first by giving testimony to what you have done in our lives. Help us to freely talk about you and introduce our kids to who you are and what you have done that they might one day do the same. Help us to be pastors, replace our impatience with compassion our pride with humility. Help us not to be task focused, but to really see and hear our children, that they might feel loved and known. Help us to bring correction and love and repair wounds that we make. Give us your heart for them, Lord. Help us to see them as you see them. Help us to be teachers, teachers of your word, teachers of life and teachers of our experiences. Help us to see where we need to bring in substitutes. Help us, Lord, also to be teachable, to receive correction, to receive wisdom, and realigning from you. Lastly, Lord, we thank you that despite us, you continue to build your church, your kingdom, your people, our families. We ask for your grace and mercy for our failures. I pray for encouragement right now to fill the hearts of every tired mother who feels that she is not enough. I pray for your restoration power right now to resurrect those who feel like it's too late or it's too hard, that you would give them your strength and power and hope for the future. Lord, give peace and comfort to those who grieve and hurt today. As we minister to others, Lord, we pray right now, you would minister to us. We wanna be children who minister from wells overflowing with living water, with the sustaining of your presence and with your healing grace, Lord. We just ask for this now. We thank you for who you are and what you have done for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.